Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. Welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And we actually have a special guest that's coming on later in this episode to talk to us a little bit about our topic today. But first, uh, I don't know if I'm breaking this news to anybody. I hope I'm not the first one to tell (laughs) you guys this. But after 28 years of music, four studio albums, and more impact than we could probably ever measure, Daft Punk has officially broken up. And broken up is a weird, I don't know if broken up, I think they're just done. It's hard to explain what exactly happened, but they published a video on YouTube and confirmed via their publicist that they're finished as Daft Punk. Mm-hmm. Now, I love, you guys know I love Daft Punk. I've got Daft Punk art everywhere. I've got, I've just, I've listened to their music so much over the years, but they've also had such a tremendous impact on like the use of computers and technology and sample culture and just this whole thing. Like Daft Punk is, a lot to the music industry. And I don't know if anyone has a more stainless reputation in music than than Daft Punk has built. Um, so it, I, I feel like we should have like a moment of silence for Daft that's, Punk. That's fair, yeah. Is that it? Okay, moment fair of silence thing. for Daft Punk. Shout out to the robots. Shout out to the gold and the silver. Now we've got a, a pretty interesting topic though to jump into today. And maybe it segues right, right off of the Daft Punk stuff. It weirdly segues very well, yeah. <laughs> I do have <laughs> quite a bit of Daft Punk art in both the studio here and at my actual home. And the concept of like what art is useful and like what to do with art, what constitutes original art worth buying and supporting has been on fire lately with this thing called 
NFTs. NFTs. The crypto space. Non-fungible token. NFTs. I, I feel like everyone has probably seen the term NFT lately. I think it's like in the last week, it's every other post on my Twitter feed. And um, it's Getting really popular for a lot of reasons. I think money is the main thing because money seems to drive all the headlines lately. I know there's, you know, there's obviously all the GameStop information and, and all that chaoticness that happened that we didn't touch before because we didn't feel like we were very qualified to. But this feels a little more up our alley. Um, the big headlines we've seen recently for NFTs are um, the original Nine Cat selling for a hundred thousand wow. um, dollars. The NBA is now starting to sell these like small highlight videos of like LeBron dunks or uh, Steph Curry three-point shots. Um, and there's, those are selling for thousands of dollars. And Logan Paul just created his own NFT trading card and he sold a bunch of them for like almost $5 million. Um, so if th those are the headlines you've probably seen around, but I think the first thing we kind of need to do is describe what an NFT is in the NFT 100 level course here for uh, yeah. for everyone before we go deeper into this. If this episode. was a video podcast, we'd already have the NFT counter going for this episode. <laughs> it's uh, it's ticking up there. So here, let's just break it down. What is an NFT? So NFT stands for non-fungible token. Uh, it's based on Ethereum, uh, which is one of the largest cryptocurrencies. Fungibility, just so you know what non-fungible token means, fungibility is the ability for a good or asset to be interchanged with other goods or assets. So if something is non-fungible, it cannot be interchangeable. It's unique. It's its own, it's the original. So what we have are unique digital assets. And the fact that it's built on blockchain means that it, it, was, it would be hard to understand if you were just buying and selling a digital file. What you're really doing is buying and selling this idea of the original digital file and blockchain, the same way it's worked for Bitcoin, the same way it's worked for Ethereum, keeps a log of the owner of that original file based on the token system. So there's a history of ownership, there is only one original, and there is a limited quantity that cannot be multiplied. So that's where this value of NFTs comes from. Mm -hmm. That's why they're suddenly being built on. It seems very sudden, but there's actually a pretty lengthy history to it. And uh, that's why they're in the news is because this whole crypto concept, I mean, I just, my last video was about Dogecoin. Who would have thought? <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of it being talked about. There's a lot of word of mouth spreading around. Uh, and that's the that's the basic idea of an NFT. Yeah, I think the easiest way of of kind of understanding it is that it's a it's a digital asset and because of blockchain you can own the certificate of authenticity pretty much and like you're certifying that you own this either original copy or part of a limited run or a drop or something like that so because you are holding that asset it could increase or decrease in value as it go on depending on how much people like it uh Right now, in the last two weeks, everything seems to be increasing. It just seems to be kind of like a, an insane boom of people purchasing these different assets. And I think that's why it's in the news so wildly right now. Because you're, I mean... You're who, seeing the craziest numbers yeah, of like who, the, the hottest stuff. And But who knows if it's a bubble or whatever we're in right oh now. Yeah, but there's a lot of things know. that are starting off, gaining a lot of value immediately. And there is, there is no long-term history to any of it for us to look at. Like in 10 years, how much will this top shot be where Steph Curry makes his thousand three of the season or whatever happens? Like, we don't know. We're hoping it can stably appreciate in value like currency, but it's hard to say. Yeah, and, and like it's a, it's a collection pretty much. Like you are collecting things. Collectibles are something that we shouldn't be unfamiliar with. The fact that it's in a digital world, it feels new, but look at Pokemon cards in the last couple months. Like 
I threw all of mine away because when we were young, no. we all thought they were going to be worth something. No. And then 10 years later, they're worth absolutely nothing. And now things are skyrocketing. You're seeing oh Charizard God. sold for $100,000. You're seeing everything just completely exploding. So I don't know if it's nostalgia. I don't know if it's just the need. To, it's like a power move of being able to collect things that are, that are super rare. But collectibles have been a part of our world for a long time and now it's it's hit the digital market it seems like and yeah. that's what we've seen we've seen the last couple of weeks our digital artists i'm sure who live this have been seeing this for quite a few months i believe and so the most common question i have gotten about nfts is are you going to jump in are you going to make mm -hmm. one are you going to create something and I'll be honest, in the last couple of weeks when I've just been exploring this exact topic, I haven't really had a good answer because I don't know what makes a good NFT yet. Like I see some really cool art and it makes sense and I don't have that exact talent, but I do see a lot of potential for it. Uh, but we did have a really great conversation actually recently with Justin Maller, who's an artist we've, you probably don't realize this, but you've probably seen his mm -hmm. art before. It's kind of all over the place in our videos and other tech videos on YouTube. Um, and this conversation to me brought a lot more clarity to that question of should I be considering making an NFT? Who benefits the most from NFTs? What are they good for? Why should we care at all? So if you've been curious about it, if you've read about it, if you haven't had the time to research what an NFT is or who should care, I think it's a really good conversation to listen to. So we'll go ahead and play that back and then we'll come back and talk about it later. So this is Justin Maller. So, First of all, Justin Maller, welcome to welcome to Waveform. Thank you, sir. For the first time, glad to have you on. It's very nice to be here. Yeah, I. The funny thing about this collaboration is, I feel like people who are listening to this podcast, whether they realize it or not, most of them have probably seen some of your art at some point, probably pretty recently. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. Uh, every now and then, I feel like I'm like the most anonymous artist in the world. Like my artist just looks like Google Images made it when you searched for a wallpaper. I'm like, oh, great. But they don't associate that all that stuff was made by one person. Yeah. Yeah, they've got, yeah. so I have I have one of your facets, let's see, in my house. I actually have two on a wall. There's one on the wall in the studio. I've had plenty of them on as like wallpapers on devices, like over my shoulder in the background, on my phone, things like that. Like they show up everywhere. But for those who are unfamiliar or who just want like the, the 30,000 feet who is Justin Maller and, and what do you do? Right, yeah, so um, I've been making digital art for about 20 years now. I started around 2000, 2001 on DeviantArt, started an art collective called Depthcore, which was pretty big in sort of like the abstract and 3D explosion that happened early on in sort of the, the community digital art uh, lifespan. And I went on to have um, a, you know, a freelance career after that, building on top of that, doing a lot of work, a lot of different clients and what have you uh, over time which sort of led me eventually to my next project that you just brought up, which was Facets, which was a piece of day for a year, uh, which sort of led to, uh, you know, a, a second wave of client work and led to me in my current role as chief creative at DeviantArt. That's sort of the, the journey in 15 seconds of 20 years. It's a lot. I think so. I remember like discovering Facets when you were in the middle of it because you were like making and releasing new stuff. I think it was every day, right? Mm -hmm. Every day for a year. Every day for a year. So that's like a lot of new stuff like happening and that's somewhere in the middle there is when I, when I found what you were doing and it was pretty clear like there was a lot of tech involved like I think when I describe what I do it's fair to say there's a lot of tech enabling what I what I create and uh, I feel like you're probably in the same boat where not only is it like the tools are digital 
and the art is digital, but like the medium for sharing and and producing and creating everything, everything is digital in this in this world. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think that's something that's very shared between your your world and mine is that like it is a very ephemeral thing. Like the the, the physical meat space doesn't like factor into it all that much. It gets made on computers, it gets shared on computers, it gets consumed on computers, and the people who are into it are connected by computers. So I yeah. think there's a lot of like parallels in that digital space between the tech world and the digital art world. Definitely. So now this this thing called NFTs has sort of mm. bubbled up on a timeline. I randomly, I literally first heard about it. This is the most 2021 sentence I might have ever said. I heard about NFTs in a clubhouse room when I was just talking to somebody who who was get, getting interviewed about it, and they I was asked like, "What do you think of it?" And I just I had never even heard of it until like two weeks ago, and between two weeks ago and now it's become this massively important like movement it's this new way of sharing uh how would you describe nfts and like what you've seen happen over the last couple of weeks it's been crazy uh for me it hasn't been a couple of weeks like i've been sort of like with this a little bit longer um certainly not as long as most i will agree with the last couple of weeks it's gone nuts it's insane to have something that's sort of felt a little bit sort of niche and underground explode into mainstream culture like this, and especially to sort of be riding the wave as it happens. It's a weird experience. But what I would look, you know, I, I, I'll assume a fundamental level of NFT knowledge amongst people and just say that what, what it's essentially facilitating is the buying, owning and selling, you know, trading of, of digital goods, which is allowing, you know, especially my medium, digital art to flourish and, and be collected in a, a way that's been reserved previously for fine art mm-hmm. um, and it's been a really exciting thing to watch happen over the last few months where i'm seeing all of these artists i've known for years and years releasing um collections of work that they poured their hearts into and made just for themselves as well made without you know the need to uh you know adhere to a client's expectations or even necessarily to a social media audience's expectations just stuff to express themselves and explore their own imagination very truly which is something that's really been lacking in the digital art space. I mean, I know so many creators who like they, they create and they explore their imagination. Sure. But there's always an agenda in mind of how can I sustain my life and my career and, and, and whatnot from, from what I'm creating. And NFTs have just emerged as this wonderful uh, enabling force to give artists license to explore digital artists specifically license to explore in this fine art way. Yeah. There's, it's felt like there's also been like another side of that coin, which is like all the hype around it. Like as soon as, mm. I mean, there's already like crypto hype and like Bitcoin and Ethereum and all the hype around that. But now when you see like, you know, Niancat, whatever, like art piece selling for like 600 grand, you're like, this is a, this is a crazy level that's going to bring people here just for the hype, just for the fact that there's things that are going to blow up and they want to make money from it and invest. Are you thinking about that? Are you thinking about ways to avoid that or like take advantage of that hype? How do you think about that? It's an interesting factor to have in a space like this for sure. Um, because things are at, at, at a really, really high level right now. And it's one of two situations. Either we're enter, entering a new norm where IP that is like known as well as Nyancat or whatever is, is truly valued that highly. Um, or we're going to experience a little bit of volatility where more people come to the market, more content is put into the market. There's more things to be collected and traded by more people with a greater degree of wealth disparity than the crypto hype train. And things will normalize a little bit. 
So it could go either way. We could be in the new normal already, or what I think is a little more likely is we're going to experience some volatility and have things settle down. But I do think that there's a lot of IP out there that has been undervalued for a long time and a lot of creativity that has been severely undervalued for a long time that is starting to get its moment uh, and is starting to become properly valued. So I don't know, man, if you can predict which way of those it'll go, please tell me because there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of decisions to be made, and a lot of money to be made either way that goes. You know? Yeah, that's the, that's always been a question. Like I've, I was talking about NFTs to some ultimate teammates where we were talking about the NBA, I think it's called Top Shots. Top I don't Shots, know if I'm getting yeah. that right. So yep. where you can buy like an NBA moment and there's a limited mm -hmm. edition. And my first question was, okay, why would I buy it? If number one, it's just a, f it feels like it's just a file. Like, I don't know if I'm really owning the moment or not. Mm -hmm. And number two, how do I know if that moment is later going to be worth more or less? Like, is this, is, is this free throw that somebody makes or this dunk really going to ever go up in value? And at, over time, as I followed this, like those have gotten really interesting where number one, maybe you can talk to this better, but owning the original is a concept that is sort of new and unique to this, this, uh, this world. And then I feel like I use your, uh, your Daft Punk facet as like a perfect example of something where future events could cause the value of the original to change. True. And it's a risk that you're taking anytime you purchase any kind of collectible media now. I mean, you know, the concept of basketball cards probably doesn't blow your mind, even though, you know, things could go up or down. You buy a Charles Barkley rookie card and Charles comes out and does something ridiculous tomorrow, the value is going to go down. Or he comes out and does something benevolent and kind and it's going to go up. That's a risk with any collectible media and it's the risk here. And I think that what becomes really important is that if you do enter this space, you buy stuff you believe in. So if you would enter the, the digital art, uh, fine art space, perhaps you would buy that Daft Punk piece because you have a personal history with it. And you're also like pretty secure in its history with me as the creator, you as someone who adopted it and gave it a lot of shine and also Daft Punk being an iconic duo. You're pretty sure that the value is going to sustain in the IP associated with that. If you want to go with something, you know, a little, a little riskier, like if you want to start to get into the Nyankat kind of realm, I don't know how that's going to appreciate or not appreciate. And if you do, then, you know, you bid accordingly. But I think that's the really important thing. You buy what you like and you buy what you believe in from people you believe in. And then you can't go too wrong. Yeah. And it, it, there's a lot of ties into like other worlds. Like when you compare it to actual physical like cards, then it makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when the question comes up, like, why would I buy this art piece if all I'm going to do is like put it in a frame or something like that and maybe even just use it as like a digital file when I could just download the digital file. And the question mm -hmm. is like, okay, when you think of actual art pieces, there is some value to having the original. It, it feels different in a digital world. I don't know if there's any easy way to explain that. Like we all know the original Mona Lisa is worth more than the copies, but like the original NFT, the original digital creation does sort of have some intrinsic value. It's just hard to explain. I, I hear what you're saying. You need to remember that what you're really buying here is not the file. You're not buying an MP4. You're buying the token. You're buying that deed, essentially. That's the way that I like to describe it, is that like if you were buying a Michael Jordan rookie card, you would want that uh, certificate of authenticity, saying that it's real and that it's an authenticated and it's part of the edition that was printed back in 1984, right? Right. Similarly, if you buy a house, you want the deed. You want that piece of paper that says, I own the house. 
And that's what this token is. A token, it certifies authenticity, it certifies ownership, and it contains the entire transaction history where you can see on the blockchain every transaction that has ever happened relating to this item. That's what you're really purchasing, is that, that deed-related thing less than the file itself. Because we haven't made digital files all of a sudden uh, you know, irreplicable. You can right. still transmit them as much as you want, but these tokens are limited. They can't be recreated. They can't be reminted. They're done. So that's really what you're investing in. And you're investing in that stake of that piece of IP and its place in the marketplaces as, as this develops throughout the year. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. I, I saw a really good video. I think Elon actually tweeted it and it's like an older video, but of like someone explaining Bitcoin, but in like prehistoric terms where it was like, you see that rock? I own that rock, but like, I can't take it home with me. I can't like bring it somewhere to pay for something with it. But like, I own the rock, trust me. There's a history of like who's owned that rock in the past. And now the certificate belongs to me, even though I'm not like the only one with a rock. And then this whole like ecosystem of like, I would like to exchange this rock for something else. And now someone else owns the rock and it stays there. Um, yeah, I just, I, th I thought the, the idea, once you're able to explain the concept of the, the tokens and blockchain and only owning uh, a limited number of things and that that makes a lot more sense for people here's my question to you what what makes sense to to buy now that might not make sense to invest in now what is uh what do you think is going to appreciate in value if this whole thing stays stable i think that what you're entering is a a very new marketplace but i think that what it's what's emerging from it is the, the part that i'm excited about is not going to shock you and it's the digital art aspect of it it's the fact that you're getting these first shows from incredible creators who perhaps if they were working in different mediums would have already been adopted by blue chip galleries and would be blowing up as the next big thing in the traditional fine art world. And now you're able to get in some of the very first shows being held by these people in this brand new crypto space. I mean, it, it's already happening. If you like, Beeple was selling pieces for a dollar, a couple of months later, they resold for $1,200. And the other day they resold for a hundred grand thereabouts. Like it's already happening. That appreciation is already happening as people are pioneering and trying new things in this space. So I think that if you, my strategy, this is what I'm doing. Okay, you do what you want. This is what I'm doing. I am finding artists I believe in who have had great careers, who make beautiful artwork, who are exploring things that I can see are an evolution of work that they've done before with these constraints removed. And I'm confident in their, in their work and the way that it's going to go up. And I also love owning it. I have to be honest, when the concept was introduced to me, I had the same skepticism about collecting a file. I'm like, I can save that file onto my desktop. But the feeling of owning something and having supported that artist and contributed to the value of that intellectual property gives the individual item value to me as a, as a holder, if that makes sense. So that's what I'm doing. I'm buying from artists I believe in. There's a lot of musicians who are entering the space where all of a sudden I can own a song. Incredible. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Buy what you like. There's a there's a really great artist that I love called Vane Sill, or if you want to type it in text, 20SYL. Uh, he's made uh, lots of songs that I've used in videos. He made Ongoing Thing, which is one of my favorite songs ever. And he recently started releasing unreleased tracks as these original files, as NFTs. And to me, this concept of being able to like invest in a creator that you believe in has always evaded me. Like if you ever ask, we had a, a podcast with Mr. Beast a couple weeks ago and just the concept of like being able to invest in a YouTube channel you think is going to continue to do great stuff came up and there's never been any good solution for it. 
And I now kind of believe this, uh, this whole NFT thing might have something to it where I can, I can invest in the music that he continues to make. And I think is going to be worth a lot more because I know he's good. I just know it's going to be good. Hard to go wrong. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's pretty much it. I feel like we've, we've dove into the topic. We gave a shout out to facets, which is definitely important, but also, yeah. uh, Debbie and art and everything else that goes with it. Anything else you want to shout out? Um, no, I look, I'm just very grateful for, for the space, for the collectors within this space and the belief that's happening. And I'm really excited sort of for the future ahead as we bring NFTs to platforms like DeviantArt, as we're able to give, uh, you know, art collectives like Depthcore another chance to shine, to have those artists be on the big stage and have their work appreciated and collected. It's just, I'm very grateful for it. And uh, I'm just really hoping that, you know, this does continue. That the create that you know creators in our in our digital space are able to continue to be appreciated and have their work collected and grow. Same, love it, Justin. Thanks for the time and uh, for the explanations. Always a pleasure, sir. Thank you very much. So that's been Justin Maller again. Thanks. Shout out to Justin for not only the time on the interview, but just all the amazing art he's made over the years. Like I said at the beginning, you probably have seen his art at some point. Look him up. We'll have a link in the show notes. He's got some incredible talent. And you should definitely be checking it out if you haven't already. That being said, we'll take a quick break, come back, and talk about what we've learned. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for this show comes from NetSuite. And that's exactly what NetSuite provides, support. But what they really provide is support where you need it because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. Your body is your own. That's why Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. 
Today, lawmakers who oppose abortion are challenging Planned Parenthood. Affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. Planned Parenthood believes that health care is a basic human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies. They also work tirelessly to oppose the onslaught of new policies aimed at interfering with personal decisions best left to patients and their doctors. They won't give up and they won't back down. You can join Planned Parenthood in the fight to help make sure that the next generation can decide their own futures. The organization needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit plannedparenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. All right, welcome back. So we've learned what NFTs stand for, what they are, what the hype around them is, and then what the truth about them is, I think, in this past like 25 minutes. Yeah, I think listening to Justin's point of view is what I was really excited about because the main headlines right now are looking at it as more of like an investment opportunity and like a, I don't want to say quick buck, but like that that's what crypto seems to be like, is like I can make some money off of this and it's super volatile. But like seeing the artist's perspective of this and how this is really benefiting digital art, which hasn't had a median like this pretty much ever, uh, was fascinating. Yeah, I'm with Justin. I really hope that this continues mm -hmm. and I hope that this isn't some crazy bubble. I mean, we've read infinite hot takes about how Bitcoin's a bubble and it's going to crash. But mm -hmm. you, at the same time, you've read a million versions of Bitcoin will be worth a million dollars per Bitcoin at some point. And it will become this like stable currency that we that we sort of base our all our transactions on. So there's, there's two sides of it. I do yeah. hope it lasts. My question is, you know, the, the clarity of, of my original, like, pondering of should we make an MKBHD NFT, what should it be? Uh, I think I've gotten some clarity on that, and I think there's a little more of a narrow focus on what that could look like, which is kind of fun. But also, I think my first step is just to, like, buy a couple. Like, yeah. get into it. Figure get, out what it's about. Definitely get into the market. I mean, like, is there anything you specifically have your eye on right now? I actually or? do, yeah. yeah. So so Justin was talking about he's going to be getting into it more, and I think uh, getting, like, one of his pieces, because I know his stuff, it's good. It's good quality. There's no yeah, way it's, it's not it's worth fantastic. a lot. There's I, a reason we chose him to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's got to be up there. I feel like there's some music, some musicians who are diving into this space now. Uh, Vane Sill has been doing some unreleased tracks that he's dropping as NFTs, and you can be the owner of the track, and you know that's going to be good stuff because mm -hmm. he only makes gold. Um, so I think just getting into that. Here's here's a question for you. I have a random hype question. Okay. Maybe this is totally theoretical. But if you could turn anything into an NFT and invest in it now for a gigantic return, what do you think is going to appreciate in value? What would you What would you buy? Would it be a oh YouTube channel? Would it be a Would it be a sports moment that you think just happened that's going to be worth more? It's kind of funny you mentioned that because not too long ago on Twitter, when Becca from The Verge mentioned she was going to start a vlogging channel, I said if I could invest in any YouTuber right now, I would invest in her channel because I think yep. it's going to go really well. Happy Sunday, buds. If I had to pick something that would like completely blow up like 10,000 X return. I think you have to have some sort of foresight about something that's going to happen later that will make the thing you just invest in yeah, more significant. Th there's always that thought. And then there's always the thought of just the pure meme of it. So like, what is the most random oh God, thing I mean. that has been created recently? Not even recently. Like what is a, what is a staple in internet history 
um, like, oh, like, oh, buying the NFT of the guy at the zoo from YouTube. Mm. That the original, the original, like, what the original file of the first ever video uploaded to YouTube. But is YouTube going to be 10,000x bigger to the point where, like, now that you have the first video? Because I imagined, I was picturing, like, let's say I get Trey Young's first three pointer. And in a decade in the NBA, he eventually goes on to break Steph's record because Steph's going to pass Ray Allen. He's going to have the most threes in the NBA. But then let's say Trey passes it. He's made the most threes of anyone ever. Then I think at that point, his first three-pointer, which isn't worth much now, is worth a lot more when he's the all-time NBA three-point leader. Does that make sense? I think that could uh, be a version of that. I think it makes that. sense, but I I don't, in terms of scale. And again, we're we're on a wildly speculative <laughs> <laughs> conversation right here. This is not financial um, advice. But like, so let's imagine it like this. I buy the original video that ever got uploaded to YouTube. So in 50 years from now, if YouTube gets beat and goes down the tube and no one knows about it anymore, and I have the original file from the powerhouse monopoly that YouTube was on online video sharing, I feel like it would be the same as if you were uh, an anthropologist and you dug up some like old Roman coin that is from a, mm. an, a civilization that isn't around anymore. You're you're picking up this original piece of history. Right. And I mean, that's museum level. When stuff goes in a museum, you're 10 times. That is a 10, good, yeah. yeah, the historical museum element of it. I was also just thinking, as you mentioned that, like what has a human, intrinsic human value? And I think the fact that we just saw Perseverance land on Mars. I feel like it's got to be something around yeah. that, like something around the first was, Martian the first soil back on Earth, or? the first Martian soil, because they're going to send another mission to Mars that's going to bring those soil samples that got dug up back to Earth. That's physical, though. That's it is physical. Yeah, <laughs> if I can just buy the physical thing. I mean, no, no, no. But like, if you, I mean, going back to Perseverance, though, like the the first photo, or like Curiosity's first photos. They NFT that they mint that mm -hmm. that would be a pretty cool piece of history. I mean, there's a lot of different stuff. There's yeah, look at history. That that's thinking all that stuff back. I don't see uh, maybe NASA or I'd NFT that, first like, contact. First time we find life on Mars, it's gonna happen. NFT uh, the moment. Okay, let, let's is NFT a verb? I'm I'm getting I, out I of mean, control. Yeah, I'm NFTing things. I've already started posting pictures. I, I can't wait till I start NFTing pictures of Mac. Yes. and see where that goes. Um, I'm investing. But, but let's uh, let's dial this back a bit and just like live in a world right now where the MKBHD channel's creating some NFT assets. Right. And like in a, in a serious and artful way, I think one thing that is kind of strange when I'm searching in these marketplaces is there is a lot of absolutely beautiful art. And I've just really enjoyed like going to Super Rare and going to Nifty Gateway and just browsing and like looking at some really really cool pieces but there's also a lot of like super meme -y ones that look kind of like just trying to make a quick buck so i i don't know if that's having to do with this vol volatility and all oh, of absolutely. it and, and like i hope that w i think there's a level of volatility to it but i also think it's going to even out to not that far under that and it's going to continue to be something just how big is this bubble i think it'll drop but i think it'll continue but anyways Serious MKBHD channel NFT. I think the first thought is like intro shots. Yeah, if you ask me today, without creating anything new, if I make anything or if we have anything that could be some unique thing that people want to own, 
it would probably be yeah some some sort of intro shot some sort of a moment from a video yeah that feels you know very unique very difficult to replicate and that would be fun to own and people would want to trade and would have some significance to them yeah i think intro shots are fun i think there are just like moments in videos in general that are fun like maybe there's an interview moment you know maybe there's a snippet of a video i don't know exactly what it would be but i think that that would be kind of cool it's just hard to if I, I would want to make something new for it. I think new. It's funny that you say that because then there's also going back to the the history debate of it is like the first time you held up the HP Pavilion remote to the camera and mm -hmm. uh, like that's a piece of MKBHD history and you you've talked about being able to potentially invest in different YouTube channels. Is is this a way that these YouTube channels can start having people invest in them a little more? I mean, Logan Paul made a of trading card of him opening more pokemon cards and sold a bunch of them that's hilarious as nfts yeah so that that could be a question then we talked to mr beast not that long ago and one of the things he always brings up i think every time we've ever had a conversation is if we could just invest in youtube channels mm -hmm. directly because we see a potential and because we see that they're going to be valuable and they're they're, they're going to carve out a niche that we haven't seen before we want to get in on the ground floor like this is always the, the lingo about it but there's never been any way to do that and maybe just maybe this this blockchain thing is a way to certify unique ownership of things that we couldn't certify ownership of before and maybe yeah. that's a way to consider building on it. I doubt this is going to be a tomorrow thing, but that's, no, not, that's a really no. fun thing to ponder. There, There is like just thinking of Logan Paul's cards, like trading cards of YouTube channels or like just think of what different collectibles there are. Could we just have someone who's digitally creating like different assets that we have at the MKBHD channel in a, in a digital way? Like, can we have someone 3D render Mia and somebody can own the digital version of Mia or or mac can someone own digital mac whoa this just all goes back to mac yeah Your mac's gonna make me a ton of money I feel <laughs> mac's like. gonna be it <laughs> yeah no it's hard it's hard to say that's the thing about it being so volatile is like you go through and you browse on those sites and you're like i don't understand why anyone would buy this much because mm -hmm. ethereum like i said is appreciating in value and anytime you spend ethereum you're losing a lot and that amount that you just lost will continue to yeah. Yeah, but go up in potential. So you really have to want that thing. So I'm scrolling through and I'm seeing these crazy like meme, almost like garbage posts where I'm like, I don't understand. Like if you start there, you really won't understand if NFTs has any sort of future. But then you see like the the other half of it, which is like this really new floundering infrastructure of like digital art and selling mm -hmm. original moments where it's, it's really, it's much more interesting. And I think that's why I want it to be stable. I'm kind of interested, like, do you think there's going, as long as this stays stable, there are going to be companies now that are going to create physical ways of displaying your digital collections? Like how would you, the first thing I thought of is imagine a frame that would be kind of like a frame TV if you bought something that was animated. And now you can display that, but somewhere in the corner it has like a uh, a QR code that proves, that shows your blockchain number to prove that this is the original file. And like, are people going to start having this in their house as as originals that is know. true it, it is, seems i think it's interesting to think about it seems really cool it is very difficult to prove in a very simple way an ownership of a crypto asset like blockchain makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. and you do definitely prove it through that system but displaying that blockchain certificate is is a, is a different challenge it's harder like how can you display it similarly to like 
a signature on a an original painting, like bottom corner, something like that. Does the frame have something on the side that has a QR code? Like I, I just imagine because the QR like, code is so easy to replicate. So it's the like QR you know, code's easy to replicate, but the QR code would send you to the the blockchain transaction with your name on it. That would or your wallet address, but then you have to prove your wallet address. I guess I don't right. know, but like it would send you to just a page that shows the transaction. Right. I'm saying anyone can put that QR code on their art. <laughs> which is there you go this yep, is what exactly. makes it i mean so it's like anyone can make the mona lisa but how do you know which one is the original mona lisa you just have this or oh you just God. know like you just know and that's the thing is we walk into the museum and we assume the one we're looking at is the original but i've heard all sorts of conspiracies about how it's kept behind some bars and we're looking at a replica so i don't know it's it's probably even harder in the crypto world to prove that you have the original asset and display it i think it is a pretty intrinsic thing you have to find a thing you really believe in and that you really yeah. want to own, like a baseball card, like a like a sports moment, like a piece of art, where it's not really as much about displaying that you got the hype new thing and you own it. It's, it's more just about like believing in it. That you, and you know personally that yeah. you do own it. Um, I, although you saying that, I just automatically imagined this future where Pawn Stars is trying to verify uh, on the History Channel, where all of them are now ninety years old, trying to verify NFTs in the future, <laughs> and I, I cannot wait for that. I'll finally watch Pawn Stars again when that's Pawn Stars twenty fifty one, where they're not going through storage lockers, they're going through crypto wallets. It's the original Justin Mahler, I can prove it. Crazy, that's crazy town. All right, well, we've gotten completely off the rails but i think it was in a good way i think yeah. i think the, the gears are turning and the nft hype train has at least clarified itself in my head so that's a good thing yeah let's ask on twitter what what kind of mkbhd uh nft people would be interested in or not interested at all and you can just tell us to uh yeah not even think about it yeah let us know that'd be a crazy one all right let us know on twitter Again, all the show notes will include all the information and stuff we talked about. Justin Maller's info, again, shout out to him. And of course, all the, the other links that we've talked about through this episode. But that's been it. Thanks for listening. Catch you guys in the next one. Waveform was produced by Adam Molina. We are partnered with Studio 71 and our intro-outro music was created by Cameron Barlow. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit plannedparenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause.